Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Real Me and Colin, a movie podcast where you didn't really ask for it, but hey, I'm going to give it to you anyways. I, this is a podcast where I talk about anything, everything, anything about movies. I'm your host, Chase Lee, and hey guys, listen, if you were searching on the internet for like some weirdo shit and you accidentally came across this podcast and you're not a movie fan, well hopefully I can convince you to be one. This is episode 148, guys, and if you're new to this show, welcome. Uh, hopefully I didn't scare you off too bad with that terrible opening. Um, what we do on this show is I will go over some movie news, some movie trailers, and uh, I have a special topic for this week, uh, but what after the trailers, I usually will have a movie review and then box office results. But for this week, it's a little different. So this is how it's going to be broken down this week. I, I just I have to address this after seeing Magnificent Seven, so uh, this is how it's going to go. This week's episode, I'm going to be going over some movie news, some movie trailers. I'm going to have a topic, and I'm going to talk about the MPA rating system and how their whole rating system is just backwards beyond belief, and they need to, they need to change it. They need to have a reform. It needs to happen because it is just... Just downright ridiculous. And then I will have my review of the Magnificent 7 2016 version and box office results for the weekend. And you guys are probably wondering, like, why, why'd you put 2016 for the Magnificent 7? We kind of figured it was that. Well, I don't want, like, some old person who's going to open up the internet for the first time in, like, 30 years and just be like, what's your podcast? And then they're going to, like, you know, uh, search through the internet and they're like, oh, my God, this young man's going to talk about the old Magnificent Seven. How, how lovely. And he's going to click on my episode and he's going to realize that he heard the word fuck, like, a hundred times, uh, the word dick, like, 30 times, and, like, shit and ass bitch and, uh, you know, asshole, you know, several other times, so... I had to put that in there so they weren't confused uh, as to as for me talking about the older version. So, uh, but uh, yeah, before we begin, if you're uh, watching on YouTube and you want an audio only version of the podcast, link will be in the description below. And if you're listening on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or SoundCloud, and you want a video version to see my face and my douche hairstyle, the link will be in the description below. But how you guys doing? You guys doing pretty good? It's been it's been an interesting week. I've been on vacation. I was uh, with my girlfriend in Phoenix, so it's been a while since I did any type of podcast or recordings because uh, I pre-recorded like everything like two weeks ago. So this is interesting to get like back in the saddle. But I am fucking ready to do this. You guys ready to do this? Let's, so let's do it. Let's start into some movie news. All right. So there's there's a couple stories I want to talk about. There's not really that many. Uh, there's a lot more trailers than there are uh, news topics. But uh, the first one I want to talk about is that Jared Leto, Jared Leto, Jared Leto, however the hell you want to pronounce it, he is the singer of 30 Seconds to Mars, and he has an Oscar now uh, for Dallas Buyers Club. He's also been in movies like Urban Legend, which is a guilty pleasure of mine, Requiem for a Dream, American Psycho, Fight Club. Basically, he was really great in 1999, 2000, 2001, and then he pops up in movies every now and then. Uh, I'm not saying that he's terrible nowadays, but I do like his older stuff better. So, Jared Leto, uh, his most recent uh, turn was uh, the Joker in Suicide Squad, which I thought he did a pretty decent little job. I would like to see more of that, um, but I didn't really care for the movie. So, the new story is that Jared Leto is going to play Andy Warhol, the eccentric painter. Uh, I believe the the famous one for doing the, uh, the Campbell's Soup one. Is that the one I'm thinking of? If it's not, then I look like a fucking idiot to the arts history community right now. Uh, I highly doubt any of you guys listen to this. <laughs> but uh, I believe he's the one that did the Campbell's Soup one. Anyways, he, he's an artist, and he uh, did a lot of paintings and stuff, and he was very eccentric. And uh, he, he's a very uh, unique individual that uh, did not play by anyone's rules of normality, and he was weird as fuck. But having Jared Leto play Andy Warhol, this is perfect. 
Now, when this was announced, I was actually really excited, but then when I saw some Photoshop pictures of uh, uh, Jared in the kind of like that white, silver, uh, fox, foxish, grayish hair um, on top of him, I was like, this is perfect. This, he looks just like him. And I think with Jared's kind of like method acting style, I think he takes it a little too far sometimes um, because, you know, sometimes the product doesn't really, you know, reflect on what the... Uh, method acting was, uh, i.e. Suicide Squad, but if he can really tap into this character and really kind of tap into the um, the weirdness of an Andy Warhol, I think he could nail this, and this could actually be a Oscar-winning performance if the movie's good overall and his performances as well. Now, I don't know what time period they're going to do this in. I don't know what time of life they're going to uh, do Mr. Warhol, but just having him as the title character kind of gets me more excited for a project like this if um, this was announced, uh, you know, because if this was announced and he was not attached, I'd be like, oh, okay, sure. But now that he is attached, I'm really excited because I'm a huge uh, Jared Leto fan. Um, I really do like his uh, older stuff quite a bit. Requiem for a Dream is still, I think, one of his best performances, period. Um American Psycho is great in Fight Club, very small uh, role. And then even in Dallas Buyers Club, he does show that he has acting chops. So when people look at him and go, oh, he's just a singer, he's one of those singer-turned-actors and stuff, believe it or not, he actually acted before, I believe, he started 30 Seconds to Mars. I could be wrong on that, but uh, I believe that he started uh, acting first. And he, he did you know his music with his brother, which he still does to this day, and then he kind of flops back and forth, but... He's starting to come more into the limelight because of his Oscar win for Dallas Buyers Club. So it'll be very interesting to see how he plays Andy Warhol. So the next piece of news. Um, <laughs> okay, so you guys remember me talking about the Rings trailer that came out, uh, I want to say, a couple weeks ago. Um, it does not look that good. Um, and I'm a huge fan of the first ring. I did not like the second one. And I'm talking about the American one. I think the American first ring is actually better than Ring U, which is the uh, uh, movie it's based on in Japan. Uh, but I feel the opposite for the grudge. I think the grudge from Japan kicks our ass, ass's grudge uh, uh, twofold. It's yeah, ours is terrible. It's Sarah Michelle Geller. Um, so the rings uh, when the trailer dropped, I was like, eh, it doesn't really look that good. But I'm a sucker for these J horror movies, so I'll probably go see it. And you know, like I said, I like the first one quite a bit, so I want to see where they take it. It was supposed to come out at the end of October. Now, you guys have to keep in mind, there was a poster release for this, there was a trail release for this, there was a lot of stuff released for this. Now it's being pushed back until February of next year. Now, this movie's been pushed back, I think, like two or three times. Now, I don't know how bad it sucks the dick, but I'm just going to assume it sucks a big old long Harry Johnson, because if they push you back three or four times, that's a cry for help. And uh, I believe Rings is being distributed by Paramount, which we'll get to in just a second. But Paramount's been making some terrible choices in movies. And um, without the Transformers franchise, they would be in the shitter right now. They would literally be neck deep in like some quicksand somewhere and no one's going to help them out. Because the movies just keep flopping, keep flopping, keep flopping. Now, for Rings, like I said, I, I've been curious about it. And even though I didn't really care for the trailer, I still wanted to see it. But the fact that they're pushing it until February and not releasing it around fucking Halloween because it's a horror movie... I mean, but hey, I'm not a marketing uh, expert. That just has a bunch of red flags all over it. Uh, I don't know how bad it sucks, but I can tell you it sucks some major wet asshole because if they're pushing it back again, there's a major issue for this. Even if, if they don't feel confident releasing this thing in October around Halloween, that is a major problem. So 
it's being pushed about five, what was that, five months. So if you're looking forward to rings, congratulations. You get to go watch it in February by taking your Valentine's Day date and then having her hate you for the rest of your life. So there you go. So um, speaking of Paramount, and this is the last news story of the day. Paramount had a uh, shareholders meeting and they were talking to their investors and uh, I feel sorry for their investors because they've invested in a very uh, you know spotty company. Um, Paramount basically said that they're expected to lose 115 million dollars on that shitty looking movie Monster Trucks starring Lucas Till and um, um, essentially he's a kid finds a truck. There's a little squid, squidward monster underneath, um, and hijinks ensue. Yep, not making that up. Uh, the trailer released like I think like a month ago, maybe two months ago. It looks awful. Even for a kids' movie, it looks awful. Um, but just for the fact that Paramount says that they're going to lose, they're expected to lose 115 million dollars, tells me why did you make it in the first place? If you were basically coming out and saying. Well, I mean, we're expected to lose that much. Then you really didn't have any confidence in it to begin with, so who the fuck signed off on that? Who who was the person that pitched them this idea, probably drunk and high off their ass, going, Hey guys, we should make a movie called Monster Trucks, and it's literally monster trucks, with monsters underneath the trucks. The trucks on top of the monsters. Monster trucks. Do you guys want to do it? And then someone signed off on it. So... <laughs> The fact that they signed off of it just doesn't... It, it tells me that they make poor decisions over there because the idea sounds awful. Even for a kid's movie, even if you wanted to make this movie, why are you losing that much money on it? This movie shouldn't have cost more than, like, I don't know, 10 or $20 million, and you probably would have recouped some of your money back, maybe over in the foreign market, but $115 million Paramount? What the fuck you doing? Someone needs to get fired over there, and then you go, you know... I don't know. Just go live at, live at home and never work ever again because they make terrible decisions. I'm kidding. That that's not the case, but actually it is the case. But yeah, that just this is kind of shocking to me is that they're expected to lose. So you didn't have any confidence in it. Who the fuck greenlit it? There's a lot of questions that need to be asked. Paramount, if you didn't have Transformers right now, you would be so far in the dump. I don't think anyone could help you out. Like I think that would be a dead company. Because Transformers, each film is grossing higher and higher amounts over in the foreign uh, market. Not so much in the domestic, but in the foreign market, uh, it's actually pushing each film to a billion. Like, uh, Transformers 3 and 4 reached a billion. A billion dollars worldwide for those movies. If Paramount didn't have that, I don't know where they would be right now. So, yeah, that's it for that piece of news. It's kind of just dumb so that's it for the news guys what did you guys think of the news stories comment in that place with my face and let me know what you thought of those three stories now let's jump on to some of the trailers that dropped this week guys there was a lot that dropped this week i don't know where to begin but uh, i think i should just begin with smurfs uh smurfs the lost village comes out i have no fucking clue but um sony is the one that released uh smurfs one smurfs two you know the hybrid live action uh, films that looked really awful, and it looked like it was going to rely on poop and dick jokes. I mean, just poop jokes uh, for the little kids that watch it. So Smurfs The Lost Village is going to be an all-CGI animated Smurfs. So there's no live action, no people in it, and it, it's going to be animated. It's just a short little teaser, and it's just the Smurfs kind of dicking around. I think having an orgy in the background. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, maybe I'm not. Uh, but 
it's just them kind of goofing around, I guess. And then like uh, there was a rap song that played at the end. And I was like, who's this marketed towards? It's almost like Sony's like, listen, guys, we fucked up with the kids movie. Now we want this to be like, we want, to, we want this to appeal to teenagers and adults. So we're going to throw in a rap song at the end of the trailer. Like, I, this film is for kiddies, like little children, like toddlers, like babies, like infants, like newborns, like fetuses. Like, I don't understand, like, why you're appealing. <laughs> is that what kids listen to nowadays? I, I mean, I listen to rap, but, like, I didn't realize that kids under the age of five listen to whatever the fuck was playing at the end of that trailer. So... Yeah, short little teaser, but I will admit, though, I, I am glad that Sony went an all-CGI route instead of that hyper live action because they got panned so bad by critics and audiences and stuff, so at least they're changing their model a little bit. I mean, that's the best I can kind of put it. So, yeah, that's it for that trailer. Uh, speaking of uh, other teaser trailers, uh, Ghost in the Shell, Scarlett Johansson, Scar Joe, Joe Scar, whatever you want to call her, I... I'm gonna call you ScarJo, Scarlet. Um, so this is uh, based on the uh, anime uh, Ghost in the Shell. I never saw the movie, uh, and I have not read the manga, books, comics, or whatever it's based on. Um, but I am really curious about this one. I've always wanted to see Ghost in the Shell, like the anime, uh, the anime version. Um, I just haven't gotten around to it. But this version, I was very confused on the teasers because they were just a bunch of little short snippets, kind of like put together. I'm very confused as to what the story is because I don't know. I, I've never read the plot synopsis even to the anime. So, uh, but I know it's like one of the uh, you know most praised animes out there, next to like Akira and you know pretty much anything from from Studio Ghibli. But this one is just a bunch of little teasers put together, and like I said, I didn't really get a sense of what the story was. But visually, it looks really cool. I like that like kind of cool dystopian sci-fi element to it. Looks like it's gonna be really creepy and stuff. So. I, I'm looking forward to it, actually, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. I'll see this one, and, you know, if I get really pumped and jacked after that, I'll probably just watch uh, Ghost in the Shell, the anime version, right away, or I'll probably check it out before this one. Uh, either way, I will watch it, because um, I'm a huge fan of uh, anime and, and whatnot. So, yeah, uh, there's really nothing more to talk about. Just Scarlett Johansson looks like she's going to really do well, and it looks like a really cool sci-fi tale that will probably get more eyes on the anime version which is which i'm sure hardcore anime fans want to happen so there you go uh the next show i'm gonna talk about is trespass against us now if you don't you don't know what this is it's, it's okay let me let me describe it to you so a24 boom right there i don't even say anything more if a24 is distributing this sold done pack it up and throw it away so trespass against us stars michael fassbender uh brendan gleason and uh who else i forgot um anyways they play a father and son and it looks like a nice family drama but then oh shit then it takes a 180 and then they're like stealing stuff like the robin robin shit it's like what that that took a left turn that i didn't expect excuse me but i liked it um michael fassbender is always like i don't even need to say anything about this guy at this point uh, he is one of my favorite actors working today. Ever since I saw him in Shame in 2011, I was hooked, sold, and, you know, if the movie was in 3D, I would be knocked uh, in the face by his dong. But um, that was a great movie to kind of showcase him as an actor and really push his limits as an actor, and I thought he delivered that very, very well. And every single movie after that, he's just been killing it. So 
this one just looks like a smaller film, especially from like you know the movies he's done earlier this year, like uh, X Men Apocalypse or The Light Between Oceans. This is kind of a, a more smaller uh, family drama and whatnot. And it looks like it's going to take a weird left turn with the whole robbery thing and whatnot. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it. And plus, like I said, anything A24 releases, I'm totally on board. They're one of my favorite uh, distribution uh, companies. I love pretty much anything they do. Um, there's really nothing more to say. It just looks like a really, really good, solid indie film. So, there you go. Uh, the next one I want to talk about... Whew, these next three are rough. Um, Fist Fight. Uh, okay, so it stars Ice Cube and Charlie Day. Now, I'm a huge fan of both of them. I think they both have great comedic chops in their own sensibilities. And I think um, Ice Cube has produced... Um, one of my favorite biopics uh, from last year, straight out of Compton. Uh, Charlie Day is uh, one of my favorite comedic actors, and Sunny, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is one of my favorite shows. However, this movie looks awful. It's called Fist Fight, and Ice Cube and Charlie Day play two teachers. They're going to fight after school. That's it. I wish I could say uh, more about the plot, but that's essentially it. And Ice Cube is the one that initiates it. Like, I'm going to fight you. And then the whole trailer is just kind of like little snippets of stuff leading, events leading up to it, I guess. Sure. Um, It just, here's the deal. It's supposed to be labeled as a comedy. It did not make me laugh once. So, and that kind of sucks because I like both of these guys. I think they're actually really funny. Ice Cube delivers like the the most straight uh, face dialogue and the most funny sarcastic tone and then you know Charlie Day is very eccentric and what he does and he's really great at improv so just seeing a trailer like this just makes me weep and just makes my soul just kind of cry leap out of my body and just go hide in the corner somewhere it's just just like what I talked about last week with bastards it's just it guys I love comedy so much but when you have shit like this being thrown at me flung like a monkey flinging his poo on your face it's just not it's not good man it's not good fam so yeah I I no, thank you. <laughs> hey, maybe it's a, another representation of a comedy that has a terrible trailer, but it's actually really good. But we'll find out. The next trailer I'm going to talk about is The Whole Truth. Now, this one stars Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. And Renee Zellweger and Jim Belushi. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. I got that wrong. Sorry. Is it John? John Belushi? No, which one's the... Oh, my God. Guys, this is what happens when you do this shit live. Now I have to look this up. How you guys doing? You guys doing pretty good? <laughs> I feel pretty shitty now for getting that wrong. Uh, it's Jim Belushi. Yeah, because I was thinking of uh, uh, that show he did on ABC, According to Jim. Sorry. Sorry, John Belushi fans. I like John Belushi quite a bit. Uh, you know, just John, Jim, Jim, John, Jim, 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 All right. Get that shit mixed up. So, uh, Jim Belushi uh, is a guy, I guess, that is accused of murder, which is very weird uh, it's because he's normally known for comedy. I guess, and, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves is his lawyer, and tries to um, help him out, and then Renee Zellweger is in the bunch, and maybe she did it, maybe Keanu Reeves did it, maybe all three of them did it, maybe all of them had a blood orgy afterwards, I have no fucking clue, that's what it is, it, it kind of reminds me of Primal Fear, or any type of lawyer-based movie, I don't know, man, I didn't really care for it, um, it just looks like a generic uh, Lifetime movie, didn't really care for it, just the way it was told i was like i've seen this so many times before maybe they'll have a different twist at the end i have no clue but in terms of like the trailer it's just built like a generic lifetime suspenseful thriller that they would throw on a tuesday afternoon while i don't know you're eating your oatmeal and 
watching the Game Show Network next to it. I, I have no clue. Is that is what old people do? Um, it does not look good. And, uh, you know, after watching... Okay, I have to say this because I literally just watched this, like, uh, two days ago. I'm a huge Keanu Reeves fan, and I think uh, what he can do in the, uh, like, action assassin genre, he can kill it. He does very, very well. Any type of other genre, no thank you. Um, I haven't been really been that impressed with him. And, I don't know, there might be a movie I've seen where he was really good and I just forgot about it. But, I just watched Knock Knock two days ago. He's pretty bad in it. Like it's 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 a pretty awful performance. Um, huh. But I will say that in this one he looks better in not th- this one than he does in Knock Knock. That's for damn sure. But him playing a lawyer, I just can't really see him being convincing or like saying those lines of dialogue convincingly in the courtroom and stuff without you know. God, just watch Knock Knock, and you'll see like him yelling and stuff, and it's just ah, it's so glorious. Um. But overall, it just it does not appeal to me whatsoever. If it gets good reviews, sure. Might sway me if I hear good word of mouth, sure. Uh, case in point, uh, this is one of my favorite stories from last year. Um, the Gift. You guys remember The Gift that came out? I did not want to see that period because it looked like a generic, like, oh, God, it looks like a stalker horror film. It doesn't really look that good. And then I heard great word of mouth. And it started getting in like a 90-something percent of Rotten Tomatoes. I was like, well, holy damn. I guess I got to check this out. And guess what? I was blown away. One of my favorite thrillers of last year. But, so, I mean, it, it could. It, it could be good. And it could just be a, mar- a mismarketed trailer once again because it happens a lot. So, if I hear good word of mouth or it gets a good score on uh, RT, then sure. I'll give it a shot. But until then, no thank you. And the last trailer. Passengers with Jennifer Lawrence, J-Law, and Chris Pratt. Okay, so it's directed by Morton Tildum, who did The Imitation Game. Uh, he was also nominated for a director slot that year, uh, which I think uh, one of those five should have been kicked out and Argo should have been in there, uh, or that might have been the year prior. I forgot. Um, yeah, I think it was the year prior, sorry. Um, but more until them was nominated and stuff. And the imitation game I thought was it was good. It was a good little movie. Um, I wasn't like blown away by it or anything. Um, okay, so uh, Chris Pratt and uh, Jennifer Lawrence are uh, passengers on this spaceship. They're supposed to be cryogenically frozen or whatever, or like in, in sleep in a little chamber or whatever for like um, you know like I think hundreds of years or whatever because they were traveling to a different planet, I believe. And then they wake up too early. They wake up like 100 years early. So it's just Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt in the spaceship while everyone else is asleep. And they interact with little robots played by Michael Sheen where he has a little robot half. And um, sure. Um, God, I gotta be honest with you. I didn't really care for the trailer. And it's not because of the acting. It's not because of the premise. So I actually think the premise is pretty well done. I am actually really curious about this movie. I'm still gonna see it. But the reason why I didn't like this trailer, I don't know why many people are not commenting on this. It, uh, it, it looks like a giant set. And it looks like, (laughs) it just, it's, it's all brightly lit. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel grounded. And so that kind of makes me worry for the movies that it's going to have that whole glossy feel to it. Now, uh, at the same time I'm bitching about it, 
I do have a little theory as to why it might look like that. Because listen, movies have an aesthetic and they look like that for a specific reason. All of them do. And it's the director's choice. Now the fact that this movie kind of looks like it's on a set, it's fake, it's kind of glossy or whatever. Makes me believe that this is either one, this could be it. This is I don't, I don't know if this is like truth, the whole truth. Hey, there you go. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm just taking a wild guess. This is either probably a simulation or Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt are both robots themselves. Hence the kind of like comparison to like the fake robotic type of backgrounds and stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the twist or not. There's going to be something that's going to be revealed as the uh, the twist, uh, 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 quote, unquote. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know like what the plot is and stuff, but I do know that like those could be viable options. And if those were the case, I would forgive the way it looks. But just from the set design and all that stuff, it just looks too blown out with that that bright white light and it just makes it look like a sterile hospital. And I just, I, I didn't buy into where they're at. I didn't think they were in space whatsoever. I thought they were on a studio lot at Sony. So, but other than that, I think the acting looks good and the premise looks pretty good as well. And the special effects look pretty good too. So, there's a lot of good happening for the, tr the trailer. Um, it's just the uh, set design, art direction, and pretty much everything about the sets that bugged the crap out of me. So, what did you guys think of the trailers uh, this week? What was your favorite? Uh, comment in the place from my face and let me know. All right, guys. Now, I, at this point, I would jump into the Magnificent Seven um, remake of a remake uh, review, and I would just kind of go along my day. But um, you guys deserve an extra special topic because uh, hold on, let me take a drink. This is gonna be a long way, folks. All right. After I got out of the Magnificent Seven, the first thing I said was holy hell that was a really violent pg-13 movie i cannot believe that wasn't rated r so it got me thinking how come the mpa is so backwards in their thinking why are they like this and so that prompts me to do an uh, an impromptu um little uh topic and that would be the mpaa backwards thinking and so, uh, I'm going to be talking about this for about 5 to 10 minutes or so, just so, uh, uh, and until I get my review. But I think you guys deserve this little topic, because it's been on my mind for a long time. It's been bugging the crap out of me. And uh, just after seeing this movie, I cannot fucking believe what I saw. Now, a lot of you guys might look at me and and hear what I'm saying. You're like, oh God, Chase is a fucking prude. He doesn't like violent... One of my favorite franchises is Saw. Uh, I do own uh, the Hostel movies. I have Halloween's, Freddy's, uh, shit. I have like hardcore French films. Like violence is not a problem with me. Uh, and to a point where like this is kind of sad. I'm actually too de uh, too desensitized to it. Like I, I don't I don't feel anything when I watch violence anymore. There there might be a couple times where I like might like flinch and be like, oh god, that was fucking gross. But other than that, it doesn't phase me anymore. This fucking movie has so many shootings and so many bodies and so many axes thrown at people's backs and chests that I cannot believe what I was seeing. Now, the MPA to me is a bunch of hardcore religious fanatics who basically resemble pilgrims 
Because anything with like sexual content or nudity, you know, nature, basically natural stuff of humanity, they flip their dicks over with. So I don't understand like their their whole stance on like, oh, okay, well, don't don't worry, guys. It's okay to show like major amounts of violence, but but here, here's the but. Oh, did, did I say but? No, no, that was a bad word. Um, if you have a lot of cursing in there or if you have a butt shot, or if you, God forbid, have some tits in your movie, or even some sexual uh, activity, it's going to be rated R, okay? We don't want to taint our kids with this shit. What kind of fucking thinking is that? When you have a movie like The Magnificent Seven, which is deemed as PG-13 material, and it's got that much violence in it, and I was actually surprised at how much blood was spread from the violence as well. Like usually they don't allow that shit in PG-13 movies. So I was a little a little shocked that they allowed it. But God forbid they show a ball sack or I don't know like a toe or something. And they flip their dicks. So I don't. I just I don't get it. Like if you look at the European rating system. Or even Canada for Christ's sake. Or hell anywhere else in the world. They actually favor sex and nudity because guess what folks underneath all these clothes i know it's really hard to believe but we're all fucking naked and sex is a part of human nature violence is not that is it that is not a natural thing uh that is <laughs> I just, I, i'm laughing about because i'm just like i imagine them sitting there going oh my god we saw a testicle hair it's, it's radar oh someone got decapitated it's okay so um but yeah, in other countries, they favor all that stuff, but they actually do not like violence. They actually are a little bit more harsher on violence, and especially with all the stuff going on nowadays with you know you know mass shootings and you know protest rallies and all the stuff done by the cops and whatnot. It's just it's fucking crazy to me that the NPA still allows you know violence to get this extreme in like PG thirteen movies, but they go ape shit over a side boob. So it, it doesn't really make any sense to me. And when you go uh, on the language side as well. You say one F word in a PG-13 movie, it's fine. But if you say two, God forbid, it's got to be R. Why does that one extra word make a fucking difference? It does not. And you're basically just shoving your religious viewpoints down someone's throat. And you're like, well, this is immoral to me, so it must be immoral to everyone else. Not really. Everyone else has grown up differently. And I realize that you want to implant like all your views on it and stuff. That's fine. You do your thing. But you cannot say that that is, the mo- that is most of America. And how you should, uh, you know, police your movies. Kids nowadays have access to the internet more so than ever. I was about 10 years old when the internet was like super popular. So, you know, I was late into the game. But kids nowadays have access to many types of porn sites. They have access to many types of YouTube videos, including this one, that will say the word fuck, shit, ass, bitch, dick all over the place. And plus, they go to school. You know how many times there's language on the uh, school grounds? Hell, when I was in school, it was exactly what South Park was. And that's what the South Park creators, um, you know, that's why they uh, put them as 10-year-olds because kids talk like that. So just having, you know, language and sexual stuff and nudity in your films and you go crazy over it, but violence is okay, something needs to happen. Something needs to have a better reform on this whole policy of rating movies and whatnot because it's just not working. It's just, it's too, it's too backwards. And you need to be a little bit more lenient on language and um, 
uh, sexuality and nudity and stuff because guess what that that's more common than fucking violence nowadays so uh i, I just yeah i just I, I don't get it i don't know how to fix it um maybe have a, a different viewpoint from different um denominations like i'm not saying that you can't have religious people in the mpa um and if you guys don't think I'm I'm telling the truth, just watch that documentary. This film is not yet rated, which is a great documentary, by the way. It explores the MPA rating system and how one film gets this rating, but another film gets a higher rating, and they both have the same content. So it's extremely biased. But most of the people that were in the group are very religious, uh, you know, churchgoers and stuff. Have those people in there, but have a little bit of a mix. Have people that are. Um, non-believers have people that are i don't know jewish or have people that are uh shit catholic atheist whatever like i would rather have a a different group of people like in there like a melding plot pot to kind of like give their different viewpoints on like what's um what's acceptable and what's not but with movies nowadays violence is uh definitely more favored than you know, sexual activity and nudity and stuff, so that needs to change, and just after watching The Magnificent Seven, that kind of just made me so angry, it's like, what the hell, like, we can have movies that are rated R for a couple of F-bombs, The King's Speech, but The Magnificent Seven can have all this carnage in the movie, makes no fucking sense to me, so... I just think this is the movie that kind of put me over the edge. I was like, MPA, please change your shit. I am so sick and tired of uh, you guys favoring one thing over another. So, uh, yeah, no, that, that's it for the topic, guys. Uh, I just had to bring that up. And you guys get a little uh, extra something-something in your, uh, your uh, real me and uh, uh, entree today. So, yeah, so speaking of The Magnificent Seven, let's get into it, guys. Let's talk about The Magnificent Seven 2016 version, uh, which is a remake of a remake. Uh, the very first film that came out underneath uh, this uh, was... Um, um, uh, Seven Samurai, which, uh, you know, I, I've actually never seen, um, I, I hate to admit that, but that's one of those films I just have not checked out yet, and, uh, and then the Western remake, I believe, was in the 50s or 60s, uh, it's been a long time, I saw it in film school, and I really liked it, I'm not really a huge fan of Westerns in general, but I thought it was a really, uh, fun little Western, like, this is not, like, the most, like, groundbreaking story. It's just, you know, a town is being terrorized by someone that wants to take it over for land and money, and then they recruit seven people to come and fight them. I mean, that's basically it. Um, so it's just a nice little revenge tale. And then they remake it again in 2016. Now, I was not looking forward to this movie uh, whatsoever. Um, but... Uh... uh Sorry, guys, my YouTube window just, uh, shit itself. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, so, wow, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that is, hold on. Um, okay, I guess I'm closing out my, uh, my YouTube window. What the fuck just happened? Hold on, guys, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. What the fuck? Okay, whatever. Um, so sorry about that. Um, anyways, uh, I was not really looking forward to this movie, but when I realized that Antoine Fuqua was directing and he directed, you know, Training Day and Southpaw, The Equalizer, all these different types of movies, like he's 
He's kind of directed a little bit of everything. I was really kind of excited to see his take on a Western, see uh, what he can do uh, with that. And so, um, yeah, I uh, I was really surprised. I had a lot of fucking fun watching this movie. I felt really just excited watching the whole damn thing. So let's get real and break this down. So let's start with the writing and directing. In terms of the writing, like I said, not the most extravagant story. It's just a revenge tale set in a Western setting. Revenge tales are like the most one of the most common themes in a Western genre. Um, and it's, uh, it's actually co-written by Nick Pizzolatto. I don't know how to pronounce your name, sir, but he also... This is a guy that brought us one of the best seasons of television, period, and one of the most mediocre, disappointing seasons of television, period. He brought us True Detective. Season one was fantastic. Number two was... Okay, so uh, Nick, uh, like I said, he co-wrote this film. And uh, in terms of the way the story is structured, very basic, very generic and stuff, but... I liked all the characters and I liked all their dialogue that they had in between each other. I felt the camaraderie between all seven of these guys. I felt it between the townspeople. I love the dialogue from Peter Skarsgård, who was the villain in this film. There was just so much good dialogue spit out between these characters and stuff. I really just had a fun time just waiting to hear what Chris Pratt was going to say next or what Denzel Washington was going to say next or Peter Skarsgård. So I thought the dialogue was really, really on point. I thought the characters themselves were really on point as well. The seven, the core seven, really well handled. I liked every single character. Every single one of them had different personality, which is really great. It made each one of them shine, especially in the uh, um, the fight sequences. And I really liked uh, Haley Bennett. Now, she is kind of like new onto the scene, and uh, she's also going to be in uh, The Girl on the Train coming out in a couple weeks, but... Um, Haley Bennett, I thought, did a really good job kind of playing this, like, kind of weaker woman in the beginning, but she became this, like, really strong female that was, like, kicking a bunch of ass, um, when, uh, Peter Skarsgård and his army came out. I, I was really kind of impressed with her character arc. Um, in terms of, like, uh, the villain, Peter Skarsgård, so great, so menacing, disgusting, and dirty. I was like, get this fucking guy off the screen. I want him to die as fast as possible. So, uh... I uh I really liked uh, his villain and uh, his just sliminess that uh, uh, came about him. So like at the very end, you know, when they're fighting and all that stuff, it's just it's so worth it. It's so good. So, uh, character wise, dialogue wise, so great. Story, it's whatever. It's it's a western. Directing wise, Antoine Fuqua, this fucking guy. He just comes out of nowhere and he can direct action very very well. Now I have not seen the Equalizer. But I heard The Equalizer is a very good action film. I have seen Southpaw, and I also own it because I think it's a really great boxing film. It's got some really great boxing sequences. This one has so many great uh, shootout sequences and so many great just over-the-top, like, fun action set pieces. I was like, I cannot believe Antoine directed this. So the fact that he can do this now with the Western, I'm just excited for anything this guy touches. Um, His direction was so slick and it was so fast-paced and so much fun. There was no dead time. There was no dragging points. It was on point from start to finish. It opens up with the villain. It ends with the villain. It's just a great bookend. And I loved, uh, like I said, just all the action set pieces. So well thought out. So imaginative. And just it was just a bang him up, shoot him up, guns blazing, motherfucking type of just bullets flying everywhere. So great. So I uh, I really enjoyed um, his direction in this because I thought he had like a, a nice kind of fast pace to it. It's a really kind of fun aesthetic. It was just, it was really exciting to watch. 
acting wise, everyone does great. I really like Denzel's lead role. He adds that that swagger, that kind of mysterious uh, nature for him. And then at the very end, you kind of figure out like why he's doing what he's doing. It's kind of cool. Um, and then Chris Pratt, I think, did a really good job. Great job. And now a lot of you are probably thinking like, oh shit, Chris Pratt. He's probably just gonna be jokey, jokey, jokey. And, you know, just spreading out jokes and shit. No, he's actually pretty well reserved he's actually got a really kind of tough demeanor about him which is what he brought into movies like guardians of the galaxy or hell even when he brought into passengers i thought he did he looks great in passengers and stuff and he kind of adds that like leaderish quality to him which is still funny for me to say because uh he will always be uh andy as the um the the fat dude from uh, parks and rec um yeah so chris pratt does a really great job and i think uh ethan hawk does really really well um even the the couple of characters uh, that barely have any lines, I thought their presence was really well uh, handled and stuff. Like uh, the assassin, the hung out with Ethan Hawke's character Moonlight, um, and then the uh, uh, Native American. Oh shit, what was his name? Oh, I forgot. I don't even think he had a name. I think he just like came on the scene. He's like, guys, I'm here. I, I'm pretty sure he had a name, but I thought his presence was really fucking awesome. Like he was terrifying with his bow and arrow. So I thought everyone brought it. And uh, Peter Skarsgård, I have to go back once again. I've always loved this guy. So it's nice to see, because he can play a good guy or a bad guy. And I've seen him where he plays good guy roles and stuff, but he really plays a dirtbag in this one. I fucking love it. So good. Um, and then Haley Bennett, like I said, kind of blew me away. I really liked uh, seeing her on screen and stuff. She's got a nice screen presence, and I can't wait to see her in The Girl on the Train. So good job. Cinematography-wise, I love this uh, the way the movie was shot. I love westerns in general because if you have like these nice long epic sweeping shots if you pause it at any moment it can become a painting and it's just westerns can have some of the most beautiful cinematography known to man because you're dealing with nature a lot you're dealing with you know natural beauty of the earth and you can really kind of capture that through a lens this one is uh, no different i thought all the uh exterior shots outside of town were really really beautiful and luscious but then when we got inside the town it was you know, bloodshed and violent and stuff. And I love, you know, all the browns and stuff uh, and just how dirty it looked. And I just, it looked really clean and really just kind of beautiful. Uh, and uh, it, that small town was shot in a way to where, like, you want to go live there. That's that's how good it looked. Um, so that's it for the cinematography. Uh, Editing-wise, the movie is, like, a couple hours, I believe. The movie flies by just like that. I, I had... Like I said, so much fun sitting in my seat, just waiting for the climax of the film, which is this huge shootout, which I I can only assume that it was probably 20 or 30 minutes long. That's how fucking long it felt, um, which is great because I, I just I was eating up every single moment. I was like, oh my God, like what, that thing just blew up over there and there's some guy shooting over there. Like it's it, oh, so good, so good. So I thought for the, uh, the rhythm and the pace for the movie, I thought it was handled very, very well and... Um, I didn't feel like it had any pacing issues whatsoever. Um, yeah, so overall, guys, I gotta tell you, I was really surprised by this film. I had so much fun with it. I thought the uh, overall vibe of the film was just so sleek and energetic. Uh, I feel like this is one of the better remakes to come out. I thought about this for a long time because I saw it a couple days ago. I'm gonna go pretty high with this one. I'm gonna give the Magnificent Seven 2016 remake version... A B plus. I think it's just a ball of fun in the theaters, and I think you should go see it, especially if you're a fan of westerns or hell, even in action movies in general. Uh, I think you'll really, 
really like it. So, yeah, what did you guys think of the Magnificent Seven? Or and have you even heard of it? I, I think you've heard of it. So comment the place with my face and let me know. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's get into the box office results for the weekend, guys. Um, sorry, guys, my computer is uh, acting up quite a bit. Uh, I need stronger internet. <laughs> that's that's what I need. All right. So uh, the weekend uh, box office we have. All right. So coming at number five, we have Snowden with 4.1 million, and right now for its 40 million dollar budget, you guys know the drill. You got to double it, to, uh, and then you got to add PA and the marketing and stuff. So I'm gonna say that Snowden needs to make about 90 million to break even. It's only got like 15 million domestically. It doesn't have any worldwide numbers yet, so that's kind of scary. Um, I really like Snowden. Uh, number four is Bridget Jones's Baby. Um, sure, with 4.5 million, it's a budget of 35. <sighs> It's already been recouped. Oh God! Domestically, it's made 16 million, but uh, foreign, it's made 67. So worldwide, total of 83. Fuck! What? What is that? Uh, so it, it's pretty much past the uh, the break-even mark for sure. Even with its PA marketing. Uh, number three is solely with 13.8 million. It only dropped another 36 percent. This movie is killing it at the box office. It costs sixty million to make, and worldwide right now it's got one sixteen. Double that, we're almost at the double point. And with the PA marketing, it probably needs to make about one forty, one fifty to break even. That is fucking awesome. Because uh, Soli was uh, pretty good. I-, I liked it quite a bit. Um, so let's see. If my computer will stop fucking up. <laughs> what the crap. <laughs> So I'm trying to get on box office mojo, and my computer's like, nope, unable to process. So my internet's about to shit out, so I'm going to go to my phone real quick and give you guys the remaining numbers. Oh, God. You guys like internet sometimes? I fucking don't. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. All right. Hold on, folks. Hold, Guys, we're going to make it through this together. See, when I do this shit live, then you guys get little extra uh, snippets like this. All right. Number two is Storks. With $21 million. Pretty good little opening for that movie. Came out this weekend. Uh, its budget is $70 million, And worldwide it's made 40 so far. So it needs to make about 140 to double the budget. With PA marketing, I'm going to say they spent about 10 to $20 million maybe. I'm going to say for shits and gills, 160 to break even. Is that 40 I mean, it could do it, I guess. But uh, I, I don't know what the, the kid animated landscape is for you know, the foreseeable future, so I have no clue on what's going to compete with it. And number one is the Magnificent Seven 2016 remake with $35 million. Pretty respectable for that movie. Its budget is $90 million. It's got no worldwide numbers, so with marketing and PA, I'm going to just say for shits and giggles, it needs to make about $200 million to break even. So, yeah, that will do it, guys, for this week's episode of uh, Real Me and Colin, a movie podcast. Hey, listen, if you're watching on YouTube and you want an audio-only version of the podcast, link will be in the description below. If you're listening on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or SoundCloud, and you want a video version, link will be in the description below. And to be honest with you guys, I don't even know if like the video version will even be up because it broke halfway in between, and I had to jump right back into it. Uh, so I don't know if it actually recorded in two halves. So I might just have to upload the speaker version on YouTube. So I apologize for that. My internet is downright garbage. And Time Warner can suck a big old donkey dick. Um, that's how I feel about that. So uh, yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, for next week, for episode 149, uh, I will be having my reviews of Masterminds and Deepwater Horizon. Now, if I don't get to Deepwater Horizon, the... Uh, 
Second place in command, if you will, will be a Miss Peregrine's uh, Home for Peculiar Children, but it will be uh, Masterminds for sure, because I do have a screen for that on Wednesday. So I know for a fact that it will be one of them, and it'll probably be Deepwater Horizon, because I want to see that one the most, so I'm going to make it, I'm going to be forced to like go out of my way to like see that shit, so um, yeah, so uh, I look forward to next week, guys, for episode 149. It's getting close, guys, to the three-year mark. I think it's uh, episode 156. That'll be three consecutive years because each year is 52 weeks, right? Something like that. Congratulations. Math. Um, so, yeah, um, I hope you guys had a, a fun time listening to this. I want to thank you guys for uh, listening. You guys are fucking awesome. Every single one of you that listen, download, share this to your friends, all that stuff. You know, subscribe, like, follow, all that. You guys know the social media garb. I, I don't that well. You guys gotta have to. You guys have to help me out. So, yeah, um, next week, 149. And, uh, hey, listen, if you made it through this entire podcast and you're not a movie fan, well, hopefully I convinced you to be one. That will do it uh, for this week's episode. So, guys, at Real Me and Coleman, the movie podcast, and the intro and outro music is done by my friend's band, Fervent Rose. Check them out. They're blowing up in Dallas. Link in the description below, motherfuckers. I'll see you next week. See you guys next week. Celebrate the big 2020 with T Mobile. Switch now and get two lines for just 90 bucks and two new iPhone 11s on us. So you can take a portrait built for two with the ultra wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry in to T Mobile and get two lines for 90 bucks and two iPhone 11s on us with qualifying trade ins. Via 24 credits for well qualified buyers with auto pay plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Qualifying port ins and finance agreements required.